Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavuta Yardena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Ketubot, daf mem hey, page 45. So we're continuing with, I don't even know, different cases of, of the interaction between the man and the woman where it ends up with some financial compensation. But in this case, I would say the case is even more extreme. Um, I'm starting towards, I don't know, the middle, the end of Ahmed Aleph. And it's a continuing conversation that is really a separate issue from what I want to talk about here. Here we've got the case of what we'll call a defamer. Amarava motzi shemra kamar. So we're talking about the in the Hebrew it's called motzi shemra, which is generally understood to be a component or a subcategory of lashon hara. Lashon hara meaning I don't know what evil speech and gossip sometimes, right? But the thing halachically lashon hara is always true. And multi shamra is false, um, at least as to the extent that I recall it, to the extent that it's presented that way in the Rambam, in Maimonides, in um, in the Mishnah Torah. So here we say, what's going on? Shani multi shamra dichidushu, the defamer, somebody who comes to defame, or you know, a man who comes to defame his wife, right? For example, that's going to be a it's a new halacha. What does that mean? Right, so there are certain other issues of, you know, of this kind of case that would not apply elsewhere. So, for example, we have a woman who gets married, meaning she she goes to the chuppah ceremony, right? And then, but the couple does not have sexual intercourse. And then, vizinta b'chenek. And then the husband, and, and, I'm sorry, she didn't have intercourse with her husband, and then she commits adultery. So she's married, right? So she's married and she should, she's supposed to be simply, you know, only with that one man. Now she sleeps with somebody else. And her her punishment is to be strangulated, strangled, right? The the death sentence is by virtue of strangulation. But in the case of a defamer, what does that mean? That she was... Uh, it's I'm not even sure, right? Meaning I think that the question of how a defamer could be different is that we were talking about a case where a husband comes and defames his wife. He's accusing her of having committed adultery before he himself sleeps with her. But what happens then if there's witnesses, you know, that that confirm this and then she's going to be con- in the same woman, she's guilty, right? He has defamed her but she is guilty. So she, in this case, she's going to be executed by stoning as opposed to being strangled because the it's an interesting um, loop. I don't know. We haven't spoken enough yet about the fact that there's different death sentences and they're considered different different levels of extremity, right? Consider, de- depending on the, the sin that's being punished, right? So in this case, if she were to have committed this sin as a married woman, then she would have been executed by strangulation. But in the case of defamation, right, then the the sin is established at the time that it was, they, they treat it according to the time that it was committed. And at the time that it was committed, she hasn't yet slept with her husband. So at that point, it would only be, it would only be skila, stoning. I, it's a funny sentence, only Skila. She's just as dead afterwards, right? Um, but in this case, right, she really is guilty of adultery, and there is testimony to that effect, and yet 
there's a, a wrinkle in this case because it's not just that she went off and committed adultery, but that the way this became known is that her husband, I, I guess, you know, publicly defamed her. Um, okay. Amarle Rav Huna Breed Rav Yoshua Rava Dilma Ki Hadeit Rachamana Hechede Lo Ishtane Gufa Aval Hechede Ishtane Gufa Lo Hadeit Rachmana. Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yoshua, said to Rava, maybe when the Torah, when Hashem, Introduce this chiddush, this this innovative halacha, meaning about a defamer. Maybe it's only applied when her body has not changed, meaning she hasn't. If she has, if she remains a virgin at the time of the defamation, right? Then perhaps that would be an explanation as to why she would end up. I um, I think in that case she would end up um, being stoned. Right. But in the case where her body has changed, meaning she's well here, you know, again, the question is, it, it seems to be that she's we're talking about somebody who has matured. And it's, I don't know if it's changed because she has she has lost her virginal status or is because she's actually now older and her body is completely, in a, you know, in, in a state of physical maturity. Yardina, do you have an answer to this? No, I, I am not quite sure uh, what, it, I mean, I think it's just that she grows up, you know, so it's just, it's a passage of time issue. Okay. So, and then again, the and then the point is that, you know, if she's, if the, her body has changed, then she would be subject to strangulation because she's committed this sin as quote unquote, a grown woman, right? Meaning as opposed to a Nara, as opposed to somebody who, you know, if her offense is in fact the means by which she loses her virginity then that's a really different case of you'll forgive me stepping out on her husband because they had never fully they never consummated the marriage to begin with so it doesn't change the fact that it's adultery it doesn't change the fact that she's got a death sentence what it changes is the actual kind of death that is meted out okay so Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak takes this further the question of whether her the way she's killed is going to change or not change because of the way her body changed is a machloket tanaim. He says tanaihi, right? It's from the tanaim. We learn this in Horayot, Horayot daf yud, and it's specifically there. It's specifically about somebody who kill who who sins b'shoge, right? And detnan chatu ad nitmanu v'nitmanu harehen kehediotot. Meaning we're talking there about we're talking about whether it's a Kohen Gadol or a king, and they've sinned Bashoge, meaning they sinned before they got that status of the job, before they're Kohen Gadol, before they're a king, and then they got that job, right? They became appointed and they discovered that lo and behold, they had done this transgression. And now are they going to be treated in punishment by the new status, or are they going to be treated in punishment as they were at the time of committing the sin? I mean, I think intuitively we always want to say it should be according to the way that they were at the sin, right? Like the same way that we would say, I don't know, if a minor commits a crime and is later found out, um, and then you want to treat them like a minor, even though now they're no longer a minor, except for then you, sometimes you have to look at the whole situation and say, what has that minor done since, right? Has the, the person been rehabilitated and no more crimes? Or are we talking, God forbid, you know what, a serial killer? And then it's just the beginning of the path of crime. Obviously, I'm making these the the cases up, but the point of 
what is the status of a person at the time that they commit the sin and how do you follow that through when it comes time for punishment, I think is really interesting and a valuable thing to pay attention to. So the Gemara goes on, and we're going to jump over some of this here, right? But it says basically, you know, if they knew about, they had done such a sin, Bishogig, and they knew about it before they became king or Kohen Gadol, and then they didn't bring their offering or whatever that they were supposed to do to redeem themselves, then, you know, they they everything they knew about, right, was still prior to, all, all they didn't do was actually follow through and bring their carbon or, or p- do penance or whatever it was, right? So all of that is as they were as hedyoto, meaning before they became these important, appointed to these important jobs. But if they only discovered it after they were appointed, so then Reb Shimon says, no, they'd be entirely exempt altogether because in that change of status, it like wipes out their past in a certain way. Um, wouldn't that be nice, you know, depending on what your sin is? Um, okay, the the Gemara here goes on with this, and I, I do think that it, you know, continues to be very interesting, um, especially because what happens is, here, I'm going to jump a little bit more text, and then your Dana, I'll hand it over to you. Now on Ahmed Bet, uh, a couple, of, several lines in, Amrle Rav Hanani, Rav Hanani, meaning in this um, if you're going to say that her status is going to be based on, I'm sorry, her punishment is going to be based on her status at the time that she did the sin, then lo and behold, Milka Nami Lilke, let the husband who defamed her, who brought this to the public and shamed her publicly, right? He should be flogged. He should get lashes. Because he has done, he's guilty of defamation, meaning the fact that she has committed adultery is its own sin. But the, but his defamation of her is also a sin. And so he should be flogged and he should pay a hundred sela, meaning that's the hundred sela is if it turns out that it was unfounded, right? What if, what if she's found to be innocent? We didn't talk about that possibility. What if she didn't commit adultery, but he is nervous about this and he has defamed her? So Ravilai says back to him, may Hashem, again, it's the merciful one, right? Rahmana, may Hashem save us from following your opinion because you're completely illogical. This is, you know, it's really beautiful fighting by Chazal. And Rav Hananya says back, no way, meaning on the contrary, right? To the con Adra, but to the contrary, may Hashem, the merciful one, save us from your opinion because there's no basis for that. Meaning to say that he should, you know, that whether the husband is gets off scot free, whether he gets flogged, whether he has to pay, um, I really appreciate the machloket between them here, and um, I think that the question is a good one. Part of this case is not clear to me, um, admittedly. Because the reason for, like, why is he coming forward to defame her to begin with? Is he calling her out to the court because, you know, because she's committed adultery and therefore, therefore that's something that needs to be punished? Or is there something worse, you know, in the dynamic between the two of them that is making this, you know, truly acrimonious? That they, yes, they got married, but no, they haven't consummated. So she has an affair. Like, I feel like we can make a whole soap opera just on this one 
scenario that we don't have all the details of, but we could fill them in, you know, for the drama of it pretty easily. Oh, this is like really messed up. Like for this to happen is really messed up. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's like really me. messed up. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's so proper. So that's, I mean, that's as far as I wanted to read in terms of the, I, I feel like this is like, let's spark the discussion because the rest of these cases here are, you know, obviously, if you think about it, it's very disturbing that this is what the punishment is and this is how it could happen. And it seems like maybe there's just a big miscommunication going on. But in the meantime, you're talking about a case of defamation and a case of adultery and, and apparently with newlyweds, right? Like there's a lot of drama here. All right. I'm, I'm done. Your Dana, your turn. All right, I, I'm just going to move on. I don't have too much to add to that. Um, and I mentioned yesterday this whole thing about how the stoning takes place at the gates of the father's house. And so we have a really nice, like, sort of multiple Gezeira Shava uh, way of how this all of this is 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 learned out. So it says, Tana Rabbanan, we learn it at Brisa. Now, Rahamir Sasha Zinta. So a betrothed young woman who commits adultery. Adultery. She's stoned at the entrance of her father's house. And if she doesn't have an entrance to her father's house, we stone her at the gate of that city. And if it's a city where there's mostly non-Jews, then she would be stoned by the Beitim. Kayotze Batavar has Omer. Right. Or uh, you could also say, so So we have this parallel with somebody who commits, uh, who does uh, idolatry, that he would be stoned at the gate where he worshipped. And if it's a city with many non-Jews, then it takes place at the opening of the Beit Din. And I think one of the questions here is why, like what, what's the moral lesson uh, it, to be done here. You know, is it a way of saying to the father, you didn't raise this girl right? It's very interesting to see that sort of that that crime of adultery in the state of Erusin, is it, it, you know, is it something against the father or is it something against the husband? Um, I, I think the meaning here is to say, like, you get stoned, whether in the case of adultery or idolatry, sort of based on your home, because it's saying you're coming from somewhere, something wasn't good where you were coming from. And it's almost like a warning to everybody, check your homes a little bit. Uh, so the Gemara wants to know, where do we get all of this? But they start with the idol worshiper. Because it says, and here they quote a full pasuk from Devarim, chapter 17, verse 5, which basically says that you should bring out the man or woman who did this evil thing to your gates, and you stone them with stones and they die. So Sha'aracha, their gates is the gate where they did the actual worshiping. So we say, okay, you say it's the gates that he worshipped at, but maybe it's the gate where he was sentenced, meaning it should be at the Beitim. It states your gates below in that verse. And it also states your gates in a previous Pasuk, in the same parak, but in, in, in verse 2, in Pasuk Bet, uh, that if there's anybody found in your midst with any of your gates, a man or woman who does this evil, Right, just as the gates before is referring to the gates where the person did the worshiping, so so too when it says your gates later on with the punishment, it needs to mean the same shar. So if it initially means where you worshiped, it means the same thing here as well. 
Davar Right? Alternatively, we could say your gates and not the gates of Gentiles. Ha Sharecha Ha Apekate. Right? He used it and he stoned at the gate of the city where he did the idol worship. Im came Lama Krashar. Right? So what is it? So that teaches us one halacha. So let the let it say Shar, just your gate. Why does it say Sha'arecha, your gate? Shmaminatarte. So it's to teach us two things here, right? That if uh you know what we do if it's a case inhabited by Jews or a case inhabited not by Jews. Okay, so we learned this all about idolatry, but how do we know it with this case with the Narahamersa? So this is one of these great, like, sort of chain Gezerah Shavas, right? We learn the word entrance. In the case of Narahamersa, which is Debarim chapter 22, verse 21, from the term entrance, which is used with the Mishkan in Bamidbar, chapter 4, verse 26, which means entrance there, which there it also has the word shar, which means entrance, and then entrance from there goes to Sharech of Gates from this case. So it's sort of like it's of these of words. These words. Um, sorry, so that's that's where I basically want to finish up here. But, um, uh, you know, so I think we see this is all based on Psukim, but it's a very close. In one case, in of, one Petach case of Petach and Char has to be true in another case where we see those same words. To our central to our question, central which is very nice. Very nice to think on this Midrash Halakha. But I think at the end of the day, there's really a discussion to be had about like what's the moral value here, like what what why they're punished in their home, and because I think it's trying to say that you know these types of of sins come from like your place of you know for the father it's saying, father like, the daughter wasn't raised right you know it it it's here she is in this state of betrothal and she goes ahead and acts this way that has to do with how she was raised doesn't actually have to do with her. Uh, you know, with her, um, uh, uh, you know, with her relationship with her, with her future full husband. And with the case of idolatry, right, that being stoned where you committed the actual idolatry, I think it it, it leads a certain heaviness to to how serious that sin actually is. I'm thinking a lot about this, uh, this gate, Right, like the we think about the gates of the seat of justice in halacha or Tanakh, right? That the judges would sit at the gates. I'm also remembering like the process of how the Kohen Gadol would leave the gates of the right. He would leave to go out to the wilderness with the with the um with the goat. Sorry, with the seer Azazel. and that whole process. Like I feel like this. There's like a whole. Um, a whole slew of halachot that seem to pertain to this, like you know, state of the in between, in in and out, right? Which is what this is kind of giving us. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I think there, you know, there's something to be said for being sort of at the entrance way of where all of this was actually committed. And there's obviously a parallel between like the shar, the gate, often being the 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 seat of justice. Whereas here, it's like your shar was anything but that. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Exactly. That's the power of it, right? It's a, it's a contrast. 
we're going right. to put you to death in the place that usually we're going to have as a positive, like come to us for justice. And now we're going to have the execution here as well. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.